Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. I'm Noel Manning. That is Adam Long. We talk movies right here on WGWG. We also want to remind everyone uh, if they want to find out what's uh, playing in their area, one of our sponsors, Carmike Cinema, Carmike.com is where you can go to do that. And also, if you have a smartphone, a tablet, uh, or you just can't get enough of Cinema Scene and you want to listen to archived episodes or even listen to us live, you can do that by going to the Apple Store or even the Google Play Store and downloading the WGWG.org app. And through that app, you can listen to us live. You can also listen to on-demand programming. Uh, you can call us directly from that app uh, or even send us a uh, pre-recorded message. So there's a lot of stuff you can do from that app. You can even set it for your alarm. So uh, I encourage you guys to check out that app. It is free, and you can find it uh, for Android and for uh, for Apple devices. How are you this week, buddy? Oh, doing fairly well. Busy like yourself. Um, you know, with a lot of uh, it's it's uh, it's election season, and uh, you know, I'm being uh, the uh, political candidate that I am. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah, a lot and, of activity. Uh, yeah, a lot of activity happening. That is for yeah, sure, man. Uh, a lot of this is we're, we're we're ramping it up. Less than two weeks before the election, so there's that going on. I'm trying to keep up with the movies, and there's a lot of a. Uh, Great uh, movie news uh, swirling about, too, and a lot of great Blu-ray releases, too. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll get to, I'm hoping. Yeah, maybe so. So, anyway, um, you know, just a lot, a lot of busyness going on. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, box office is something we always talk about, and, uh, you know, we are in uh, toward the end of October, and uh, during this time frame, you've always got uh, a few um, horror-type movies um, supernatural type films that they will uh, throw out there. There's one we will talk about uh, today, a little a little later on uh, on the show, and uh, and also it's a time to kind of wrap up some of those uh, latter things from uh, the summer um, um, internationally. Um, just this past weekend, Guardians of the Galaxy back on top of the international box office. We talked about that quite a bit in August. Uh, and even into part of September, but I haven't talked about it a whole lot since. But uh, new record, uh, $405 million, uh, in the international market, uh, 23.1 last weekend. Uh, most of that uh, came from uh, from China uh, last weekend. Guardians just continues to, uh, to hold strong. And 10th uh, movie in the Marvel Universe um, to, uh, to gross uh, over 700, I mean, just a ton of money. Uh, the 10th movie in the Marvel Universe, but this one's grossed $733 million, uh worldwide, which actually is ahead of Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, for this year. So I uh, just wanted to share that a bit of news for, uh, for those uh, superhero fans. And uh, if you're looking for something uh, the superhero-related that's a little odd, uh, a little different, uh, there's one in limited release. Uh, that uh, you and I are both, at least I'm looking forward to. It's got uh, Michael Keaton movies called Birdman. Any thoughts you want to share on that, man? Very much looking forward to it. Um, the director of that film is the same guy behind Babel and um, 21 Grams, which are t- two very solid films from uh, the last dec- the previous decade that I enjoyed, and I'm sure you saw them, and you, I would assume you might have enjoyed them too. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, he's done several other things, but those are two of the more notable films. I think the last thing he did was Beautiful with um, um, Javier Bardem, I yes. believe. Yes, yep, that is correct. The same director. Yeah, that, yeah. That, was, that was critically regarded, well regarded too. But uh, yeah, Birdman is an interesting concept, um, and uh, you know, for those who don't know, 
it's Michael Keaton playing a character, playing an actor who used to be a character, a superhero named Birdman. And of course, yeah, we wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. We get the joke, you yeah. know, like Batman. Yeah, he played Batman uh, for two films, and, and his character played Birdman for three films, and then quit. And uh, now he's a Broadway, act, trying to make it on Broadway, and uh, trying to get his acting chops going. Uh, exercise those acting chops that he hasn't had a chance to exercise in a long time. And there's a lot of other irons in his fire, I think. But uh, the thing that's most uh, interesting about this, I haven't seen the film. But I, I'm reading, and I was reading an article in Entertainment Weekly that says the film is uh, basically, uh, it's it's the way it is shot. It looks apparently like there are no, there are very few cuts in the film, so it looks like a continuous take. You know, they've they've done that kind of thing, and I guess they can. They they used to try stuff like that with Alfred Hitchcock tried it with rope back in 1948. Right. But now with the technology they have, they can pull that off a lot more seamlessly than they used to. So I'm curious to see it as a technical exercise as much as I am for the story itself. So, yeah, Birdman is high on my list, uh, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah and, and what a great cast as well. You've got Keaton, as you've already mentioned. You've got uh, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Ed Norton, um, Emma Stone, Naomi Watts also uh, starring in this film. And uh, I'm I'm really just it's uh, there are certain times there are certain films that just kind of intrigue me and uh, and and draw me in for various reasons and this is definitely uh, one of those so uh, it's been a while that I've just said hey I I really have to see that uh, and that's kind of how I feel about this film um, and maybe part of it's because it's um, it, it's got a it, sure uh, the wink wink nudge nudge there's there's probably quite a bit of of reality in this uh in this fictionalized account um and so I'm, I'm 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 intrigued intrigued by that and also with it being limited release uh you're not going to see a ton of people uh watching this probably until uh if it is uh, if it does turn out to be a a very good film we may be hearing about this more in the next few months to come as awards season uh wraps up uh, in february yeah Michael Keaton swears up and down that that it has very little resemblance to his actual life uh he says that it it doesn't, um, and that his decision for not continuing with the Batman franchise was Warner Brothers' decision, not his, because they decided to bring in another director. That would be Joel Schumacher. They wanted flashier villains, and uh, they, Tim Burton and Michael Keaton had this idea for a third Batman film where they were going to explore the past of uh, Batman's, Batman's past, which had not been explored in those other two Burton films. And because Warner Brothers wanted to go in a different direction, and they, they basically axed Tim Burton, and when they did that, Michael Keaton said, well, I don't want anything to do with this. And yep. that's, that's how it happened. It wasn't, it wasn't, he would have continued playing it had there been you know, uh, a decision on Warner Brothers to keep him. So he says there's very little reality in this film, he, uh, and I guess he would know. So I, I don't know, but that's, that's what I'm reading. So. Uh, but anyway, it's going to be an interesting film nevertheless and it seems like it was a role that he was born to play yeah and yeah. i think he's a great actor he yeah. hasn't been getting the parts that i think he's deserving of and maybe it's because he's been turning some stuff down i don't know i know he spends a lot of time on his ranch in montana fishing and what what have you he really enjoys leisure time i've read so you know maybe he's decided to to ramp it up a bit now that he's 63 years old and you know getting into that uh, next generation that next phase so wow anyway uh yeah definitely curious Birdman. All right. Well, let's talk uh, last weekend's box office. Um, we did, uh, we'll, we'll actually start at, uh, at number seven, 
um, because there are a few films that I want to make sure we get a chance to mention. The Judge, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with a couple of uh, Academy Award winners uh, in this film. Um, the Judge uh, opened up at, uh, actually didn't open up, it was at number seven uh, last weekend. Uh, Dracula Untold at number six. Uh, the Best of Me, which debuted last weekend, debuted at number five. Uh, Alexander, they're just calling it Alexander now, but the full title is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Number four last week, The Book of Life, number three. Gone Girl at number two, and Fury uh, with Brad Pitt opened up at number one. And with, I gotta say, with Stephen Price doing the music, opened up at number one last weekend with just a weekend gross of uh, $23.7 million. Not a huge uh, weekend at the box office, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it is uh, at the end of, uh, toward the middle part of October, winding things down. So I didn't expect a whole lot more uh, as far as that was concerned. But, you know, a couple of animated films in the top 12. You got The Box Trolls. Uh, and you do have um, the uh, the Book of Life as well, and it feels mm-hmm. like it's kind of odd timing uh, for these kind of films to to be in theaters, um, both of these in theaters at the same time. Yeah, it is. It is very odd timing. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, these are um, these these are uh, you, you know there's an interesting crop of films out there. Um, there, but. Definitely, I think the best thing that's going right now, and we haven't discussed this because we've missed a couple of weeks with different things going on that have prevented us from doing the show, but uh, the best film out there is certainly Gone Girl, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. I knew it was going to be phenomenal before it was made into a film because I had read the novel. The novel was, was terrific. And I, when I saw David Fincher, the director of Seven, and... Um, uh, the Social Network and Zodiac and so many other great, great films. When I saw he was behind the camera on this, I just knew it was, it was a can't-miss project. And it's actually better than the novel. Wow, uh, wow. I would say the novel's terrific. This is even better. Uh, the not, the writer, the, the author of that, of that novel, Gillian Flynn, has, has um, decided to streamline certain subplots that, were in the book, and uh, she's basically cut the fat and 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 made it a lean and tough film. It's it's really good. Um, it's it's an interesting film to see as a couple. Uh, if you would take your significant other to see this film, and I would actually recommend that. I think it's a, a great film to, to see as a couple, which which I did with my other half. Um, and uh, the thing about this film is that. It's about how you can be in a relationship with someone for you know forever. I mean, for decades, and still not know that person, you know. And uh, that's that's the 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 central conceit or idea behind the film. And it's the opening scene of the film has uh, uh, the uh, the main female character in the film, Amy. Uh, there's a shot of her head, and you hear the Ben Affleck character's name. Uh, character uh, narrating as he says I'd like to crack her head open and 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 see her brains because I'd love to know what she's thinking you know and it's that kind of that's the opening scene and you can imagine where it might go from there it's a really twisty thriller I don't want to say too much about it it's basically about the the Ben Affleck character is a uh, newspaper uh, columnist or whatnot uh, whose job was downsized during the late 2000s when newspapers started going belly up and he's been forced to move to Minnesota, and his wife uh, is a former uh, subject of a series of children's books, and so she's got a lot of money from these children's books that her parents wrote about her when she was a kid, and and then she suddenly goes dis- missing, and he 
is basically uh, accused of the crime, and um, that's and what happens after that. I don't want to say, but yeah. uh, it's a terrific film. It's two hours twenty nine minutes, but you never feel that it's that long. I mean, it's riveting for the its, its entire running time, um, and I just. You know, and it can be very uncomfortable, like I said, for couples to watch together because it does make you wonder about the person you're with and what, what's on their mind. What do they, you know, what do they think? What are they capable of? What are they thinking? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting subtext that goes on there, and it's a great plot too. In addition to all that, so it's it's certainly one of the best films of the year. I, in fact, at this point, it is my favorite film of the year, and wow. that could change before the end of the year. But it is it is the the best film I have seen this year, bar none. So, and, Gone Girl, uh, high recommendation from me on that. What so. uh, what report card rating would you give this? A to F. Oh, uh, and a solid A. Wow, so awesome! That's about as high as you're going to get from me. So. Good deal. Yeah, Gone Girl, it's, and, uh, and it's really, really good. And it's the good, you know, it's the technical contributions that you get from David Fincher and his technical team. You know, he he on his last several pictures, he has chosen to use the contributions of. Uh, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross as the composers for the music of his last several films, and they do just a terrific job here. He uses his, the same editor he's used the last three films uh, as well. Just, you know, these technical people, and the, his same cameraman that he's had forever that he used from, I think, starting with Fight Club and all the way to the present, or maybe even before that. Um, so it's just, it's really a well-made film and a, and a well-told story, and I uh, couldn't recommend it more. So. Good deal. Yeah, Gone Girl, and, and quite a success at the box office as well. Budget for this, just $61 million. And this time of year, you know, you're, you're really happy if you're going to make that back and a little bit more. But mm-hmm. uh, worldwide, uh, this movie, after three weeks, has already brought in $215 million. Its opening weekend was at $37 million. So uh, it's you know it's it's quite a success from a critically and a commercially standpoint. Gone Girl in theaters now a solid A rating there from uh, from Adam Long. Adam, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to ask you this, man. Sure. Um, number twelve. I'm actually number fourteen of the box office. It's rare that I talk about what's number fourteen of the box office, but I've got to okay. do this. Um, this movie uh, it, it's a remake. Um, or you know, you could say maybe a reboot or an attempted reboot of a franchise, a Christian franchise left behind, uh, bringing in a big name, uh, bringing in a, a studio that's going to put a little bit more money behind it, uh, maybe try to find commercial success in something that only had a really a, a limited success when it was uh, strictly pushed out for the Christian market. Left behind with Nicolas Cage dying at the box office. It's getting left behind at the box office. Um, $16 million budget, and after uh, three weeks, it has not made its money back yet. So uh, let me get your thoughts on why you think this is not succeeding, because $16 million is not a huge amount of money, especially when uh, there is an audience out there for this that we've seen in, in uh, you know in recent years. Uh, last year when God is Not Dead, great success. Um, Heaven is for Real had great success. Why is this film not succeeding when those did? I'm not sure. I really don't know what the uh, what the common denominator is with that. I thought for sure it would be a, a shoe-in for lots of uh, box office business, uh, especially with that built-in audience. Yeah. I, kn- I knew it was going to be a bad film before it ever came out because, you know, it just had the earmarks of a, of a poorly made film. And, and of course, Nicolas Cage is not very reliable with the scripts he chooses 
we uh, he's unfortunately gotten to a point where nobody takes him seriously as an actor anymore because he just picks the the projects for the paycheck because right. he owns all of these castles and property that he's behind on his yeah. mortgage payments and whatnot that's been well publicized and so his he's not he's basically prostituting himself out with a lot of these films so you know i didn't expect it to be a good film but i expected it to to be a film that would probably find its audience and yeah. that people would uh would would uh, and that it would at least break even so i'm not sure i'm yeah. just not sure what the common denominator is um uh, you know but it, i will say in nicholas cage's defense he did churn out one good film this year which was joe uh oh, yeah. that was a, yeah. a, a, a terrific film which didn't even get a, a um i don't even think it got a theatrical release not in this area anyway and it's it's one of the better films of the year so you know, if he would keep churning out those kind of films, maybe he could rebuild his credibility. But, but I don't know. Maybe people just see Nicolas Cage now as they see his name and they're like, uh, well, we just can't take this serious. Yeah. It's a Nicolas Cage yeah. film. It's, he's, he doesn't care about his project. So why should we? So let's not go. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, well, we'll maybe uh, give you some more feedback on that. I'm going to do so, a little more research to see yeah, what some that. other others are, are thinking about that. Because I, I, I really thought, uh, you know, $16 million, they'll be able to make their money back. And yeah. you, we might see a few of these, uh, you know, maybe three of them, because there's a series of books. And I figured, well, this this might be a way to, to find a larger audience with with the book series. But uh, yeah. if, but with, with them not making their money back after three weeks, I, we may not be seeing Nicolas Cage in this role again. So, yeah, uh, we'll, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, and I think they had this planned as a franchise, yep, but... Yep. Uh, Yep. You know, they may have to think again. Yep, so, absolutely. Well, you never know. It's, it's pretty it's pretty uh, serious business when Kirk Cameron uh, can 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 do a film of this book and his version makes more money than this yes. Cage's uh, version. Yeah. So. yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. And we're talking more money several years ago, too. So, um, yes. Yep. yes. So, anyway, that's something to consider. But, but anyway, other films, if we want to go over some more of these that are in the top ten that we've missed, uh, we can certainly breeze through them right quick. Go for it. To. Let's let's hear. Uh, the Equalizer, uh, that's been out for about a month now, but I did I did see that, and I, I would give that a C plus. Um, it's it's of course uh, an adaptation of the television series from the late eighties that only ran like two seasons, I think. Edward Woodward was in the original, and uh, it it bears very little resemblance to that television series. I can tell you that. Uh, other than the, uh, the the character has the same name, and there's there's a similarity to the characters um, that Edward Woodward played and the character that he plays, that uh, Denzel Washington plays in the film. But uh, it's the kind of film that starts out fairly well, and it just becomes more ludicrous as it goes on. And by the time the film reaches its final 30 minutes, the the villains in the film are so cartoonish that you expect them to... to I mean, they look like they just stepped out of, out of a Warner Brothers cartoon or something. That's how caricatured they are and ridiculous. Um, it's 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 an extremely it's a violent film, and like I said, it's uh, Denzel is great. You know, he's almost sixty years old. He may be sixty now. I'm not sure, but he, he looks great in the film. He's in good shape. He does what he does. You know, but um, but it's not Denzel turning in quality work. You know, it, the script is lackluster. It's not that he doesn't try, but he just it's a lackluster action film, and um, you know it's just uh, it's there's just not a lot to say about it. Gotcha. It's, just, it's kind of disappointing, but um, anyway, neither here nor there. Not the worst thing you'll ever see, but uh, certainly a disappointment. So the Equalizer C plus. Okay. Then we have Annabelle. 
Okay, let me, let me mention that. Uh, which is a me, spinoff or me, a prequel to The Conjuring. Last year's hit, The Conjuring. Uh, there's a sequence in The Conjuring at the beginning of the film where uh, the two main characters recount a case in which a doll became possessed and came to life. It's kind of like a, a pre-credit sequence in the, the Conjuring. Well, they decided to turn that into a full-fledged film. And that was a, that, that, the sequence in The Conjuring, I thought, was one of the scariest things in that film. So I was kind of excited about this. I thought, well, here's an opportunity for a, for a great horror film. I love things about possessed dolls. That goes back to my childhood when I saw Trilogy of Terror, <laughs> that made-for-TV movie back in the uh, yeah. 70s, yeah. The, uh, the old uh, Karen Black, where the Zuni fetish doll runs around the apartment chasing her with a butcher knife. <laughs> and of course, uh, yeah, you remember it. I'm yes, sure. I do. And, uh, and Chucky. It was great. It was and, scary. Yeah, you know, that was yeah. really scary, suspenseful, well-done stuff. And then you had Child's Play, the yes. original Child's Play, yes. before they became ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh, the, the original Child's Play is, a, is an excellently crafted film as well. So I was hoping this would be something along those lines. And unfortunately, it's pretty lackluster as well. There are yeah. a few well-timed scares, but there are way too many fake scares. The film takes place in 1969. There's all this constant barrage of uh, information that they're throwing out at you about uh, the fact that Manson and his gang have done their killing in in, uh, in the summer of 69. You know, there's all of that, and that's supposed to somehow tie in. And there's, um, uh, I think, um, one of the characters in the film is named Mia, I believe, which is probably supposed to tie into Mia Farrow and Rosemary's Baby. There's all these tie-ins to late 60s, you know, films and, and paranoia regarding Satanism and things like that. And it just, uh, you know, and then the scares in the film, like I said, there there are a few decent scares, maybe three or four, but it's just really, uh, you've just seen it all before, and, and it just doesn't, again, like too many horror movies we're seeing these days, it's just not scary enough often enough. And I think it's a real missed opportunity because it's a great subject matter, but they just, uh, just kind of uh, mucked it up, so to speak. But again, a C-plus on Annabelle, uh, far from a terrible film i would say but far from a great film either and and certainly we deserve better here in the month of halloween well let me ask you let me ask you this adam yeah. um you did see ouija as well i did see that so let, about last night so let's uh, go ahead uh, it, of that. We, yeah. we can go ahead and talk about that yes yeah. since you're talking about scary films let's uh, see if this one uh, this one meets uh, meets the meat well unfortunately it doesn't either okay uh, to be quite honest All right. it's, uh it's it's uh, you know uh, Ouija boards have always conjured up uh, images of fear and, and the feelings of fear in people because of, uh, you know, their connection to the film The Exorcist. Right. But the 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 brief appearance that the Ouija board makes in The Exorcist uh, is, is scarier than anything in this film. Uh, it's, again, there are a few well-timed scares, but I'm going to be honest, nothing really happens until 55 minutes into the film. And this is an 88-minute film. Wow. So... You know, this is the problem I'm having with a lot of these horror films is that they just wait so long to pay off any of these scares. It's set up and set up and set up and set up and no payoff until you get to the point where you just don't care anymore. And this is one of those films, and, and the ending is kind of a cop-out, too. Uh, it's basically about a couple of t uh, girls who were friends when they were kids, and they played around with a Ouija board. And then uh, when, when they got to be teenagers, one of them found a... A Ouija board in her attic, and uh, come to find out, the previous owners of the house had been practicing some kind of black magic or something, and and so she gets the Ouija board out. Next thing you know, she is dead of a suicide, and and so her friend has to try to solve the murder and try to figure out what's going on, and 
all of this stuff and get to the bottom of it. But there's it's it's too plot heavy and not enough scares really. And again, uh, I, I'll probably give this one a C minus. Wow, it's, it's wow. Uh, slightly less entertaining than Annabelle, but uh, again, just pretty lackluster. Okay, um, very derivative of things that you've you've seen before, and uh, you know, and it's not that I am am not open to. Uh, this crop of horror movies, modern horror films, I'm not one of these guys who normally says, you know, well, uh, the horror films that are out now can't compare to the old ones, because I do think that we get some good horror films occasionally. Sinister was terrific. That came out two years ago. Uh, Insidious was terrific. Drag Me to Hell a couple of years ago. Those are great horror films, modern horror films. So it is capable, these filmmakers are capable of churning out some good stuff, but these are just lackluster films that, that don't, and for those of us who know what a good horror film is supposed to be, it's kind of you know it's 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 really tough sitting through some of these things. Okay. But yeah, I saw I I did see Ouija, and uh, like I said, I'm gonna give it a C minus. Um, some less discriminating fans might enjoy it a little, a little bit more than me, but I will tell you, like I said, you're gonna have to sit there for almost an hour before anything wow. of substance happens. Okay. And if you're willing to do that, then uh, enter at your own. <laughs> and Ouija does yeah. open this weekend along with uh, John Wick, uh, Keanu Reeves film. Uh, those are in wide release, and then in, uh, uh, expanding. Uh, Saint Vincent uh, is expanding uh, this weekend, um, and that's uh, let's see, that's uh, with with Bill Murray uh, in this, also yep. Melissa McCarthy and Naomi Watts, uh, and uh, Chris O'Dowd and Terrence Howard, uh, Don Cheadle, uh, producing this thing uh, as well. Uh, Saint Vincent just looks uh, interesting. Uh, is all I'm going to say about that right now. I'm going to. Uh, I'm interested to see what what's going to come out of this. I never know with Bill Murray, and uh, but I'm always intrigued by Bill Murray and by his yeah, selections. Definitely, definitely, and I think uh, I think it has potential. The word on the street is it's a good film, and I can't wait to see it. I really yep. can't. Well, good deal. Um, We've got about uh, four minutes. So, any final uh, movies you want to chat about? Yeah, let's talk about Fury. I saw that as well. Uh, Fury uh, was the number one box office uh, film at the box office last weekend. Uh, David Ayer directed this. He uh, turned out a really good film two years ago, End of Watch, which I'm a tremendous fan of. I think that's one of the best cop films I think I've ever seen, to be quite honest. It was tense. It was riveting. It was exciting. uh, It was just terrific. Uh, And so I was hoping that his uh, follow-up, you know, since he was so good with that, I thought, well, David Ayer is directing a World War II film. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like. Unfortunately, Fury is kind of uh, just middle of the road as well. if you've all, always clamored for a film that's set in in and around an army tank, well, you found your match. That's <laughs> what this is. It's basically an army tank. For two hours and fifteen minutes, you've got an army tank going from town to town, uh, killing uh, Germans, and that's basically what the film is during World War II. And there's not much more to it than that. You and unlike more successful World War II films like Saving Private Ryan, you know, you get to know something about those characters. You know, there are those stretches in Saving Private Ryan where Tom Hanks talks about his past, and you get to, you don't get any of that in this film. It's just basically an army tank going around and, uh, like I said, killing um, killing German sol- soldiers uh, from, from place to place. And there are a few subplots that, that come up from time to time, but... Th- the film kind of meanders, and I just, quite frankly, I was bored after a half an hour, and it really didn't get much better after that. Um, I know it's getting fairly good reviews, which kind of mystifies me, because it's just uh, run-of-the-mill stuff. It's not, it just doesn't have a, a very strong plot. It, I think it feels, t- 
to me like it could have made another pass or two uh, through the rewrite table, uh, a couple of rewrites. Maybe even the editing table would have uh, salvaged it a bit uh, if they had edited it a little tighter. And uh, But two hours and 15 minutes for this film is, is way too lengthy for, for the story they're trying to tell here. And um, so anyway, uh, on um, Fury, I'm going to give that one a C+. All right, good deal. There you go, C plus for Fury. Uh, a lot of C films that you're giving C's and C yeah, minuses and of, C there's pluses. There's a lot of lackluster goings on at the box office, but right. Gone Girl makes it all worthwhile because uh, if you could get to see that one, uh, I highly recommend. That's an event film. People need to get out there and see that. Go to the movies, see Gone Girl, and it'll restore your faith in good filmmaking. Good deal. And uh, just a little bit of uh, news: uh, the, the the talk of the. Uh, the Movisphere on uh, online is the Avengers uh, Age of Ultron trailer. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the talk. Go check it out. Uh, see what you can find. See if it's worth all the talk, worth all the buzz. You can always find us on Facebook. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, look for Cinema Scene and uh, engage in the conversations there. You can also find our shows on SoundCloud.com. Or you can go directly to WGWG.org with your app on your smartphone or just online and type that in and then look for our shows. We archive them there as well. And you can always listen to us live every Friday night at 6 p.m. right here on WGWG.org. As always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for engaging in the conversation. And we'll talk to you next time. Until next time, for WGWG.org and Cinema Scene, that's a wrap.